which is the challenge of diminishing asset values. Yes, diminishing uh, property values. It does happen and uh, there is some science behind how it works. So uh, I'm going to talk you through some of the logic so you guys can can understand um, really why growth properties obviously are generally uh, the consensus around them is very, very strong. So today we're going to talk about uh, something which I love explaining to property investors is it's a little um, bit of a misunderstanding for many people. And I see really some of the challenges around not understanding this later in uh, retirement years. It can really throw people into a poor little position when it comes to property investment. So today we're going to talk about something uh, which I refer to as the rental gap. Yes, the rental gap. How does the rental gap actually work? Well, generally with real estate, if it's going to be high growing, uh, high growth, it's basically the consensus of the asset from the market is strong. People believe in the property, more people want to buy the property, so growth occurs. But growth generally doesn't necessarily um, also see growth in rental returns. So this is why some of the best properties today are yielding 1%, 2%, 3% rental returns. Uh, the consensus is the growth on the asset is just so good, it's going to separate from the return on the asset. It's, uh, it's a gap, if you like. But it's actually, uh, one would argue, a very, very, very good gap because the reality is the asset is strong, it's growing, and it's doing its thing. Uh, the opposite, if you like, is a high-growing property, high-rental high growth uh, or rental return property, which is actually not growing in rents. It's just simply declining in value. And in real estate, we often call this disinvestment. So in other words, uh, the property over the time or age of the property has declined in value, which basically makes the rental return artificially look very, very strong. And a lot of property investors end up buying a property where there is a huge uh, gap, if you like, of making that property actually grow. So they buy a property which is basically ever since it's been created, gone down continuously in value, but the rents have stayed the same because it's gone down in value. The rents on paper look very, very strong. The polar opposite to a growth property where the consensus is very, very strong with the asset uh, and therefore it grows and then all of a sudden when you're looking at it, it might have a very low return. That's not necessarily a bad thing. The, obviously, the conversation is will it get more growth? Uh, potentially, it will. And today, if you look at the best assets in Alpha Sydney, 
like Alpha Sydney, which is now a lifestyle market. It's, it could be, for example, Monaco at the moment, certain pockets of Sydney, it's that expensive. There is no rental return. There is no yield. Um, but the growth goes up in millions. And so it is uh, the consensus of the asset very strong. When we look here, the consensus is the asset is not worth anything. So it's going to diminish. And that is uh, fundamentally going to create a return. It's not that rents are going up, it's that the asset is diminishing in value. So then that leads us to the idea of the rental gap, which is basically the idea that time and age will get the better of a property asset, a dwelling. And so uh, along the way, if you like, there is this gap which is here. And what happens when a property goes into disinvestment, it basically ends up in a place where to uh, reinvest in the asset is going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. It may not even be possible. It may be better off knocking down and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to bring the asset to life. And a lot of property investors end up in this place because they buy something, for example, that, I don't know, was built in 1975. Uh, today, it's 46 years old. They plan to retire in uh, 25 years. Uh, in 25 years, um, on their way to retirement, the asset then becomes a 71-year-old asset. And as such, it goes through this period of disinvestment. It just gets worse and worse. The condition gets worse. Now, there's this misnomer in real estate that you just renovate and everything gets fixed. And it doesn't necessarily work like that because when a property falls into disinvestment, it could cost literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to bring it back to life. But because of that cost, the rental return may only be an extra $40 per week or something along those lines. What happens is there's this problem with property investments where the cost to actually fix the asset is, is not practical. You can't actually add value to the asset. You can't... Uh, you know, spending $100,000 to get $40 a week in rent is, is, is just not, it, it's a waste of money, right? And so for many property investors, what happens is their asset goes this way and it ends up in a place of disinvestment. And of course, for many assets in disinvestment, um, all of a sudden, what happens is if you get multiple assets or where the landlord is not fixing the assets, not making them better, uh, just, you know, they, they are falling behind, all of a sudden you find basically inequality. All of a sudden you've got, let's call it for all intensive purposes, slum properties. And the only good thing for some properties is uh, being bulldozed, but the reality is most uh, property investors, you know, 
end up with a bit of a ticking time bomb. And this is where, again, this happens. So uh, another investor will come in and go, wow, the yield's like 8 and 7%, but it's actually all that's happened is they're uh, buying something which is just not going to perform. Uh, hey, Alison, um, my brother's got a house in Brunswick, can't rent it out, needs massive repairs, foundation, heritage. Exactly. So what happens is the, the cost to actually fix the asset is disproportionate to the result, right? So um, in your brother's situation, and for a lot of people, they do nothing. So they, they basically don't know what to do with it. There's only two ways out. Sell it um, usually, you know, for, for less or, you know, just let it rot. And of course, the worst thing is particularly in bad socioeconomic suburbs or lower socioeconomic suburbs, if you mix disinvestment of assets and disinvestment of a neighborhood, you basically end up with a fairly rotten piece of property, um, bad tenants or all of that kind of concept, right? So back to, I guess, the solution is, you know, what I focus on is more modern properties. And as they enter the rental gap, the curve, if you like, is just a lot less because, you know, a property which maybe is newer today or five years old or 10 years old, um, when it falls into the rental gap, it's a rejuvenation of the asset. It's not a complete structural challenge. It's not major renovations. It's more of like a coat of paint, new carpet, better blinds, better lighting. Maybe, uh, you know, you, you remodernize the kitchen, put some better stoves in. So maybe you're spending, you know, 40 odd thousand dollars or something along those lines. But guess what? You're going to get $40 or $50 a week in rent um, to justify spending the money. You may get even $100 a week in rent to spending the money. Why? Because the asset is not falling into disinvestment. It is just simply going through a normal process of time and age hitting the asset while there is newer assets being produced that the market wants. Uh, and of course, when it comes to what retirement might look like, uh, the idea of uh, understanding time and age, and of course, this, uh, this loss of yield is incredibly important and loss of, um, I guess, appeal of an asset. And that is why we want to sort of, we want to start with more modern and we want to end up in retirement with a modern asset. And I see this a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, you know, having, having a few coaching things at the moment. And when I look at people's portfolio who are going into uh, an, a period of time where they're not working, it's the disinvestment properties which are their risk. It's who wants to go into retirement carrying uh, liabilities. Now, real estate can become a liability or it can become a asset. And it's this, this kind of um, journey which you need to decide on. I think the easiest way to navigate um, the idea of the rental gap or disinvestment is just to start with something half decent in the beginning, an alpha property 
which uh, which will you know obviously uh, for fifty years, sixty years, still be uh, a property where you do not need to do um, massive massive capital input to keep it going. Uh, and in particular, probably the worst place you can end up as an investor is a buying a disinvested property in a neighborhood which is basically full of disinvestment. In other words, other landlords who are not spending a cent to bring their assets to life. When landlords do not have the ability to upgrade their properties, uh, fundamentally you end up in a low socioeconomic zone of real estate. And of course, all that's all they're good for is uh, is really not much at all, right? And so, um, what we want to do if we do have assets going sort of um, certainly down in appeal, is know that our neighbours are upgrading, they're renovating, they're knockdowning, they're rebuilding, and you're obviously if you go through many good pockets of. Uh, of Australia right now in our cities, a lot of the, the the nice suburbs, there's this there's this new effect of rejuvenation occurring, gentrification, if you like. So uh, just a little lesson there because I've been noticing a lot with people's portfolios when they they come and see me and they're sort of going through this kind of period where they're um they're going into preservation and we talked about this a little bit last night with with uh with andy you know he's got a slide where it's like we want assets in protection accumulation and then preservation uh because basically what happens um we might be working when we're accumulating assets and if we make some good protective decisions when we're buying assets, when we're trying to preserve assets, when we don't have a job, uh, if we avoid the rental gap theory, we're actually going to end up in a place where we've got uh, income in retirement. And uh, it's just something you got to be very, very diligent about. Um, you know, I think the culture of real estate is a bit wrong with the rental gap um, problem. I think particularly with where the economy's headed, with the split of the middle class, that um, you know, you are going to see more landlords being unable to upgrade their assets and where those assets are are going to be someplace where I'm going to avoid because you will end up with um basically slums being created today in real estate. Um, so obviously to avoid it, just stick to something a little bit more modern, easy to upgrade as your property loses appeal. And of course, um, you can reestablish appeal to the asset. Anyway, that's it. Uh, hopefully that uh, was interesting. So my drawing is terrible, um, but I uh, I go on. Hey, thanks for your time. Uh, Thanks, Alison, for being there again. I can't believe you're always around. You're amazing. Um, so we're going to get you on the podcast. It's happening. Going to do it today. All right. Uru. Uh, 